Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to the show. I'm excited about this show. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this episode, but that's because we just got back from Bowfest. My wife and I went up to Superior, Wisconsin, shot some 3D courses, hung out with a bunch of other vendors, met all around outdoorsmen and women, and it was just a really cool opportunity for us to go and connect with other people in our community, other like-minded individuals who love to shoot bows and love to hunt. And I can't tell you how many pictures we swapped, like trail cameras. Dude, check out this book. I got this one on camera. Also, I got like 15 different invites to go hunt places. And now I've got to figure out how many my wife is actually going to let me go hunt. But my voice is kind of gone because I was talking basically all weekend, whether it was just connecting with people at the booth or actually interviewing them on the podcast or shouting at the top of my lungs, trying to communicate during the music at night. So this is an amazing episode, but I'm going to break it down for you real quick. We had a lot of people stop by and sit down to record. If I went one by one and did them all in a row one week at a time, we'd be halfway through archery season by the time I finished. So I took some of the more memorable interviews that I did throughout the week and kind of put them all into one episode, condense it down so that you guys could get a feel for what Bofest is like, the variety of people that show up, the different vendors, the guests, the management, and their view for it. And so I think this is going to be a really cool episode. So first up, we've got Mike O'Hara. He is the project manager for Bofest, and he is the GM at Montelac Resorts, and that's the resort that hosted Bofest, I'm telling you. It was unbelievable. Mike and his team hooked us up big time, and we had a lot of fun up there. Then we talked to Todd and Melanie. Now, these guys were at a booth not that far from us, and we had walked by it one day, and it just, like, caught my eye. I couldn't look away. And then after a few days, like, we had been connecting with Todd and Melanie in a few different areas, and we got to sit down with them and hear about the start of their company, uh, hear about the product, hear about their passion, their love for one another. And I'm telling you right now, I wish I could have got a YouTube video of this because us talking about these mugs is not going to do them justice. You know, when you go somewhere and it's just like the most beautiful place, the mountains are awesome, the different colors in the sky, the water, whatever. And then you go back to tell somebody about it and it just doesn't do it justice. And even a picture of it, you take a picture and you're like, man, it's just not as good as being there. That's how I feel about these mugs. Everybody needs to check them out in person. They need to get one for themselves. And so we're going to talk to Todd and Melanie. It's an awesome conversation, and I really can't wait to get one of my own. I want to do a custom one, and you're going to hear more about that in that interview. After that, we talked to Bailey Dahlberg from Our Heroes Tour. Now, this is an amazing organization that gets veterans and their families out on the water doing sports that maybe they didn't think were going to be possible after suffering an injury, serving our country. And one of the really cool things about it is they bring a videographer and photographer out there so that people don't have to be on their phones. You know what? I'm not going to spoil any more of this. 
But Bailey is super awesome. And she was probably my most visited booth of the entire event because she had free monsters. I am a sucker for mango monsters. And every day she's like, stop by and get one. Quick grabbing the warm ones off the table. Come get a cold one out of the cooler. And so that is a really awesome interview. And then we wrap this whole episode up with Cooper Romanstead. He is a young guy that, honestly, I had multiple people come up to me and say, dude, you got to interview Cooper. He is just diehard. He's super passionate. And he came over to the to the booth earlier in the week, and he was like, dude, who shot that deer? Who shot that elk? How big is that one? How did that one happen? I mean, you could just see the passion in his eyes, and you could you could just hear how excited he was to just connect and share stories and find out more about how he could be a better hunter. And so, like I said, unique episode. I think you guys are going to really love this one because I enjoyed each and every one of these conversations. So let's kick this one off by jumping in with Mike. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. And today we're on with Mike O'Hara with Montelac Resorts. Mike, what's your official title here? Uh, well, I'm the resorts general manager, uh, project manager basically for the Bowfest event, uh, and conveniently a janitor very often. <laughs> You're just the, the resident problem solver, I feel like. Sure, for an event like that, I guess that's, uh, that's the perfect title. <laughs> that's awesome. This is a sweet event. I mean, I grew up in Eau Claire, but it sounds like this event kind of started after I moved out out of state, which I don't feel as bad not knowing about it, but now knowing about it, I'm like, man, I wish I had been here from the beginning. This is a sweet deal. Ah, it's been super fun. Might have been a celebration for when you left the state. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know we were going that direction with this episode. No, this is cool. How long have you guys been doing this? Um, well, we've been doing uh, like, you know, archery um, events since uh, 2014, but Bowfest really became the uh, combination of the the art the sport of archery and then combining it kind of with that family friendly festival festival atmosphere in 2018 so since 2018 we've been bullfest okay sweet and have you been part of it from the get-go from day one that's sweet i mean it's a cool it's a super cool location so in the winter you got it's a snowboarding skiing resort You've got the lifts. You've got all this stuff. There's lakes around. I mean, it just seems like year-round there's something to do here. Yep, that, that was the, the mission when I came here originally was basically how do, you, how do you take a ski hill that's open for 112 days a year and, you know, convert it into something that's viable and great for the community year-round. Yeah, and I, I was talking with you and Larry the other night uh, at the bar, and you guys were telling me about the even surrounding properties. Like, it's virtually undeveloped around you guys it just seems like we're in the middle of this amazing wilderness hanging out with a bunch of like-minded people that's true um I, larry i'll obviously know the exact acreage but there's thousands of of uh i guess land that's that belongs both to uh, national forests the state of wisconsin um and then we're this little uh keyhole uh access point uh that's privately held that allows you to get access to all you know, thousands of acres of, of state land as well. Sweet. So how many people do you guys typically see here at Bowfest? Um, we're, we're running about 
three to 3,500 people a day during the, the main portion of the event. Bowfest is really about a week long, starts on Monday. For people who have access passes, they get to come and use the facility and shoot. Uh, but the, the main event, of course, starts on Thursday at 7 a.m. Okay. And then at night, you get there's concerts. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a full-on stage. Tons of people. Last night was rocking. You guys had uh, hairball out there. That was my first experience. Everyone I've talked to since, they everybody knows hairball around this area. And even my parents, they just came in today, and they're like, no way. We see them all the time. We go to Country Fest. We go to Country Jam. Like, we see them everywhere we go. But, I mean, huge concerts. Tons of people out there hanging out until, what, 11.30 last night? Oh, yeah. that's the. I think the music ended at 11.30. Hairball is kind of a unique phenomenon uh, in the area. But uh, uh, we were talking to some people from California that asked us if we knew who Hairball was. I said, well, yeah, they'll be here actually at Bowfest. So um, they've been here every year for, I think, the last four years. Um, great, uh, great entertainment. They play a lot of favorites. Uh, and then we just... Yeah, we put a pretty nice music lineup uh, for Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of Bowfest every year. So you got about five hours, five hours of music uh, to enjoy in the evening after uh, you come back in from the woods and the, the target ranges. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, they do the big, they do the big program at night. But like even now, we've got Michael Waddell and his son and somebody else right behind us on stage, singing, playing guitar, hanging out, and. The overall atmosphere here is amazing, and it's definitely a place that we're going to come back to year after year. Ah, well, we're excited to keep it going and have you back. Yeah, we've got, let's see, there's uh, three main stages depending on, on uh, your, your vision of a main stage, but we've got bands that play down at the beach bar during the day, out on our mid, mid stage at Base Lodge, and then, of course, the main event stage at night. Plus, inside the bar, there's a stage at the Base Lodge. The Trophy Lodge has live music. So you can find a lot of things to do. You don't have to be, uh, I guess, diehard archery. You can bring the whole family out, and, and everybody uh, has an opportunity, I think, to do something. The vendors are, are great. There's a multitude of... of uh, you know, technology and, and items for uh, out, outdoor outfitting and, and the sport. Uh, vendors are great. Yeah. Well, I encourage anybody listening to this, come check it out. If you're in the area right now or if you're going to be around next year, come check it out. We've run into multiple people now from Missouri that are actually up here. And uh, a couple different people that have been on the podcast before, and they're like, dude, we couldn't believe you were coming. And so we're super excited to be here. Like I said, an event we'll do year after year, and you guys have crushed it. You knocked it out of the park with this. Thank you. All right, guys, here is a hot tip for last-minute scouting before the season starts, and that is to break out your optics and get boots on the ground on your hunting property. Find a spot where you're not going to be noticed, where you're not going to disrupt their patterns, but that you can observe them transitioning from feeding to bedding and hopefully put you in a spot to have a close encounter during season. For that, I break out my entire arsenal of Vortex products. I've got my Fury 5000 range finding binoculars, my Razor HD spotting scope, several different tripods, as well as my window mount for while I'm driving. Because if I see a deer out in the field and want to get a better look, I can hook my binos right to that or my spotter right to that. And who knows, maybe it's a property that I look into getting permission on. So if you want to check out these products, you can also save money when you head to eurooptic.com, that is E-U-R-O-O-P-T-I-C.com, and enter code NOMADIC10 at checkout.
Now, I will say our table looks better than it has all day, <laughs> and that's because you guys have your mugs up here right now. I'm sitting down with Todd and Melanie Strupp, and you guys, I have to say, you have the best booth. Or the best presence. What, no, no, no. The most attractive, or it draws people in yeah. probably more than any other booth that I've ever seen we at a trade show. We may come just because people wanted to score your deer. but I, I feel like that's doing a disservice to their booth, Very much though, so, absolutely. If this is a second. I mean, you take you take antlers and horns, and you create, like, the coolest artwork I've ever seen. Thank you. Thank you. That's... Yeah. Wow. I mean, because it never gets... Um, it's my eight years now, yeah. full-time, and it never gets old. I never get tired of the compliments. Um, as you're complimenting me now and I'm listening to you, it reminds me of the very first show I did when you almost have to keep from having tears. Like, yeah. wow, people really love my work. Because yeah. just because you do something, you pour your heart into something and your energy and your soul and your passion. And when somebody else is admiring it, it does hit your heart. Yeah. yeah. You know, so to hear the compliments even eight years later, it's like I still have that humble like, oh, my gosh, people are still loving my work. Like, people are really loving this. And it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just... One, it's eye-catching. But then last night at the VIP dinner, I was hearing some of your story as we were talking to the guys from KUU. And, oh, and up at the dinner. Yeah. 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 We're, I, was, I was listening to you talk about it and just hear your guys' passion for this stuff and then hearing the detail and, like, how the business progressed and how you went from, like, your first show and all of a sudden people were, like, I mean, almost hunting you down trying to find out more. How yeah. do you get more? <laughs> like, what all can you do? Um, I just like when people can take a memory, especially like of hunting because you do custom stuff I yep. mean, you can incorporate antlers and I guess, yeah, for the, for yeah, the listeners, I was going to say, because this isn't is. video, I'm going to let you guys explain on air what we're looking at right here, because I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> and we'll put a picture on Instagram and oh, yeah. the okay. other platforms okay. for people to see. But for those listening, um, yeah, what's in front of us? I'll, I'll give you the kind of short version of how it got started. Sweet. Um, back in 1993, I was like 21 years old, and I was at a rendezvous reenactment, Prairie Duchene rendezvous, as a matter of fact. And I saw a gentleman with a horn mug, basically out of cow horn and an antler handle. It was really raw and crude. It had nails sticking out of it. Yeah. The guy's drinking out of it. And I just thought, I'm like, man, that is really cool. Instead of using metal or plastic, I'm like, you know, Mother Nature. Yeah. It's like a horn cup. So I went home and I made one. I made myself one because I wanted to have a horn cup. And, um, and, and it was authentic and period correct, drinking out a raw horn, uh, a cow horn. It was, yeah. And so I made one. And as I'm using it, people would be like, oh, that's really cool or neat. Where would you get it? And I'm like, well, I made it. And I never like, oh, this is my idea. I created this. It's my take on it. Yeah. Horn mugs go back to primitive man and the Vikings. We all know that. So I never claim it's my idea. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't steal anything. I just, yeah. I'm going to make my own horn cup. Yeah. So people would be like, oh, can you make me one? And I'm like, okay. Ever since I was a kid, you know, the coloring books and crayons, I've always had the desire to create. I never stopped doing art or building and creating. Yeah. So I was building these mugs and people would be like, oh, make me one. Oh, okay. You know, and well, what do you want on it or artwork or whatever? And then it just was snowballing. And all of a sudden I was just kept experimenting with artwork. And next thing you know, I'm selling like, you know, 10 or 20 a year. And I'm thinking this is cool. It's just for fun. And then it grew, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm selling 30 or 40 mugs a year. And then I didn't do it for a few years. You know, you get married, raise kids, build a house. Yeah. And then I picked it up again. I've always been building, and I started doing them. 
And people would say to me, even 10 years ago, they're like, you could do this for a living. And I would yeah. laugh at them going, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. My artwork is nothing like that. So then it got to a point where enough people were wanting these that I made, uh, I was like 12 or 15 mugs. I paid $50 and went and set up at this gymnasium and did a little show. And in two hours, they all sold. And wow. I went, holy cow. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll go make some more. Yeah. And the rest is history. So then eight years ago when I did that, then I started at looking different shows and people were really interested in my work. And then it just kept growing, and all of a sudden, um, after I started it, I found myself in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, at the art fair out there. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm hanging in the big leagues, yeah. you know. And so now here I am today talking to you guys, and it just keeps growing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the ideas and in, in anything you do, whether you're building houses, whether you're crafting, whether you're making dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the more you do it, the better you want to get. If you're love and passion in it, if you care about what you're doing. Yeah. And I love doing this. So I've literally been living my dream. If you dump your passion into something, you're not going to fail. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so, and here I am today now, eight years doing this full time for a living. And it's really common for people to say, oh, I'm living the dream. We all say we're living the dream yeah. because... And I'm going, no, I really am living my dream. I'm yeah. making a really living, living being my dream. I'm making a living being myself. Yep. And doing what I love to do. And to me, that's the ultimate. That's cool. I even have to speak for Melanie whenever I came to your booth today and then even last night at the dinner, she was hyping you up and she was like, He's amazing, his craft, <laughs> he's like all this stuff. And I'm like I'm just, just hearing her talk about you and like your you know, your skill and like your passion for it was so great to hear as a wife just like supporting her husband because I love you know supporting Dan in podcasting or even his hunting like that was so cool to see and the fact that you know you guys kind of get to do this together is awesome not only that but like sporting those when, yeah oh my gosh when you're sitting at the table and everybody like it's an eye-catching thing right it's like a centerpiece yes. in <laughs> any setting and you guys right. drink anything and everything out of yeah. them in fact, hot we cold coffee whatever we you were want. joking earlier about getting like uh the shaved ice or cone of ice or whatever <laughs> yeah, and yeah. i was right. like have you ever had that in it leaving the point Actually, cold, we haven't right? yet yeah but it's like it's such an eye-catching thing and the quality and craftsmanship Thank in you. it is unbelievable like yeah. i don't know if i said this over there or if i just told sam but i was like if i had one third of that talent <laughs> ability like i would be doing so many awesome things i yeah. say like, the same thing too i yeah. look at his work every single day i get to come home and see what new creation he's made in the shop and what is in the studio yeah. so i get the first eye view of what he's creating and it's so exciting because some pieces just totally scream wow yeah, yeah. and She's we, become my biggest fan and my best critic. That's <laughs> cool. Yes. I, yeah. And I say critic because I check with my kids. I check with my family. And it's like, don't just tell me it looks good you Be know, honest. because we're related. Tell me, you know, yeah. if it doesn't look right. And mm -hmm. what, right out of the gate with Melanie, not right after we met, she's looking at my work. And I'd be working on a piece. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, the position from the nose to the ear isn't right when a white tail is turning like this and the wow. ear's bothering me because I don't feel I have it right but I don't say anything I yeah. said and I'm like Melanie comes home and I'm like hey what do you think of this white tail she's like the left oh. ear isn't right and I'm like yes you see what I see Good. so we yeah. have that cool. connection yeah. and so I don't say anything to anybody and I want to see what do you notice about this mug or yeah. what I did here and it's beautiful um well other, and somebody who's who's used to seeing your work right because like for me I couldn't be a good critic for you 
because I'm so blown away right out of the gate. Like, I'm not going to see the flaws. I'm not going to see, like, I can't compare it to your other work that I've seen year after year or, like, each project that you've done. So to have someone that's close to it and can actually say, okay, you know, I noticed this about it. Like, that's got to be extremely beneficial. Um, And I don't know if Melanie has heard me say this yet. Uh, In a couple weeks, we'll have our three-year anniversary from we met. And my last show, somebody said, oh, my God, how did you ever think of this as a business? I said, I didn't plan on it. I said, said, it's just like meeting my other half, Mm -hmm. my life partner. I didn't plan on Melanie meet my life partner. I didn't see her and been like, there it is. It just happened. And I said, I started this 30 years ago. I made a mug. Even 10 years ago, I was just making them for fun. And it just slowly happened. So sometimes now when somebody comes up to my table and they say, well, how long does it take you to make this mug? I'm like, well, 30 years. And they'll look at me and I'm like, well, it's taken me 30 years of practice to get them like this because it's perfection Mm -hmm. over time or striving to be. And it just um, keeps getting better all the time. Yeah. His work improves all the time. And new ideas. You showed us the, was it a moose antler end table? Yeah. He made the table. Going from mugs to pieces of furniture. Mm -hmm. Yep. He uses them for displays whenever yeah. he has his shows, and then the pieces get sold, too. So oh it's like gosh. a win-win. The benefit for me is my furniture changes all the time in the home. Oh, as a female, I have new that's pieces the all the time. Ever. And I'm like, oh, that one's going to have to leave. Oh, oh darn. Shoot. Okay, he'll make another one. Yeah. Did, did he prepare you for that? Like, don't get emotionally attached. attached to this furniture? I think I already knew that from the <laughs> beginning because all of his stuff flies out the door so fast. Nothing stays in one place for very long. Uh, his his art sells and it sells itself. So yeah. I One, see it. I get I get to enjoy the beauty of seeing it being created and watch it develop into this beautiful piece, and then it goes away. And then I get to hear the backstories of the customers and the connections he has with people, and that's a beautiful thing too because I just love it. And then I get to meet these people, and yeah. then I already know the backstory of and these see people, their reaction. and it's just a really special um, union that I have with Todd. I I feel like I'm his biggest cheerleader. You are. She is. I feel like she you is. are. And I got to give Melanie props. Um, she's very modest. She has an artist eye. She has what I call the vision or the eye. She yeah. gets it. Not long after we were together, we were in because Ari- Melanie's from Arizona. So we're at the art studios in Sedona. And we'd walk into a gallery. And before I'm saying anything, I'm looking at a piece that's just blowing me away. And not because of the price or anything like that, the quality. You see something that just grabs you. Yep. Or something about the piece. Not the whole piece, but just maybe the way the eye is on a mountain lion. And it's just grabbing me. Yeah. And I'm standing there just taking it in. Melanie comes up and she goes, oh, my God, I'm just drawn to the eye. Yeah. And I'm like, so it's one of those where, like, well, that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so we share that same vision. Like, she sees what I see. Yeah. You know, and has that feeling. And it's awesome. That's um, so sweet. And real quick on a side note, so we were sitting in an establishment not long ago drinking out of our mugs, and there's just a random couple up at the bar, and they're like, oh, we love your mugs. Well, we had our hats on, and they were complimenting Melanie on her hat band. She made her own hat band for her hat. Yeah. Well, it was about two weeks after that, the gentleman called and says, can you design one for my hat, and I'd like a bolo awesome. to go with it. So now Melanie finds herself doing custom work. That Fun. is yes. so cool. So who knew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I being with Todd really does bring out the best in me because I have an artistic eye, like he's talking about. In my past, I used to do a lot of sketching, and I loved art, and oh, I fell so away cool. from it for a long time. And since I've been with Todd, it's all starting to come out again, and I'm starting to create Creative. my own yeah. pieces. And it's just really fun to feel myself growing mm. um, back into 
who I was when I was younger. So I feel like I've been reborn yeah. in a sense. To have those, yeah, to have those creative outlets is amazing. And it's funny yeah. because I see people with good creative outlets. I feel like mine is in the form of like physical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, I like, I like doing something physical well. I cannot sing. I he can't can draw. Dance. Don't let him play. I can, he can, I can draw. doodle. Yeah. I can he doodle can for sure. Bear. But like, she's a phenomenal dancer. I hear these mus musicians here, and I'm like, dude, yeah. they don't let me sing "Happy Birthday" at parties. <laughs> like, that's how off I am. And then I see you guys like with this amazing artwork, and I'm like, this is just unbelievable. But I hear, and I feel like there's a certain vibe with people who have artistic ability like you guys. I mean, you're the easiest people to talk to yeah. you're so like <laughs> genuine and kind and like Outgoing. when you meet people and you just get that vibe from them like they're just positive and like uplifting and i could hang out with them forever yeah like it's super super cool but i want to jump into like the mugs themselves the handles because you mentioned uh you were asking about these antlers over here you're like, yeah, or any of this elk, for yeah. Sale? yeah and i feel like this could be beneficial like making connections because a lot of my listeners will go out and find deer antlers elk antlers. Right, right so you obviously have to get like source your antlers from somewhere right right a lot of people will say oh my god do you shed hunt i'm like well yeah but those are my price trophies yeah, yeah like for sure. i find a, a, I don't a want antler shed sure. ground. i don't want to cut, cut yeah. it up um so i purchase trade and buy the materials for what i do whether it's the horn and the antler and the wood um so i have a lot of incredible contacts my favorite is running into people that say oh i got a box in my garage from my grandpa and yeah. they're like what are they worth and i'm like and when people come to me i was like well i'll tell you what they're worth top dollar grade yeah. a high price yep i'll tell you what they're worth to me and then you make the choice yep. you know because yeah. i'll tell people it's like i might not give you top dollar for these if you need to get that that you know i uh -huh. don't i don't mess with people it's for about sure. integrity and quality yeah. with people and anything you do so i'm like i'll tell people here's what they're worth to me and then what i love doing is like or let's say i'm gonna buy a hundred dollars worth of antlers to somebody i'll just say hey if you like my artwork yeah a hundred dollars off trade, on the market yeah. will trade with the antlers yeah so and uh Three years ago, I was at a show, and uh, someone in the crowd came up and says, I've got, like, a box of 200 sheds. And I said, okay, I only live five minutes from here, the guy says to me. And he brings them in, and my buddy says, wow. He goes, you're not even shed hunting. They're coming to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I kind of thought, yeah, you know, because um, shed hunting requires a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, you can spend days and not find yeah. one. For sure. So... It's yeah. like his personal toy box. I'll come home. He'll say, "Look what, Look I, what got I got today." Uh -huh. That's like your mom, Dan. Yeah. She like has bins of them. Yeah. How she does? She has so. And you're many just telling me this now. Uh, sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I found out her secret, and I kind of felt bad this year because uh, she's like, "Oh, you know, when you, when you drop your deer off to get it processed, like I don't take my whole deer home uh, when I come up here to hunt." Yeah. Uh, and so. I, I went and dropped it off. She's like, "Just check and see if they have any antlers that people didn't want." Mm -hmm. And that that has never even faced. Like, who would not like, want I them? never oh, yeah. thought, like, I've some people just don't want them. Yeah. I'm like, it's not about the trophy. It's about the memory. Like, when I look at this elk, when I look at any one of these deer, I could tell you where I was, what time of day, right, like, right. how it all happened. Yeah. It's a memory to me. And right. so I, I went and dropped it off, and I was like, hey, I'm supposed to ask, do you guys have any, you know, deer antlers that you're not? Oh, yeah, all those heads over there. And I'm like, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I know. How can people not want <laughs> yeah. that back? I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh. They yeah. don't see the value in it. Like, right. Yeah, I'm like, right. how do you, like, it, even if you don't sell anything, even if you don't make anything out of it, like, 
just the memory to have something physical there because the meat's gonna go away like yeah. right. you're not just gonna hold a pack right. of meat in the freezer for 30 years like hey this is from my deer in 1924 <laughs> you know uh, and so but like let's call jerky freeze-dried jerky unintentionally um but like to be able to make something out of like a memory and to to have a piece like this sam told me earlier she's like go over and get one and i said well I'm not going to do that because I talked to him <laughs> and he said that he can do something with one of my antlers yes. or with the elk ivories that I have yep. or the yeah. turkey spurs that I have. And he can incorporate that. And I'm like, it's one thing and not discounting what you already have over there. But I'm like to have something and then to be like, you see that elk that he engraved on this? That's my that elk. That was my elk. Yeah. Right. That's your this elk. This is that the you antler shot. from that. These are the <coughs> ivories yes. from that. Mm -hmm. Here's the bullet case. Like, whatever More it is. Yes. Story. I'm glad you said that, too, bullet casing. So yes. whatever you want or can think of, discuss it with me and we'll work it out. Like, yeah. put your bullet casing that you shot that elk with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, for real, I just got chills, like, <laughs> thinking about holding something like that. Because I love keeping this stuff. Like, I keep the, I keep the brass oh, from yeah. my mm -hmm. shotgun shell. Like, I'll cut and the plastic off of it. And I'll punch the primer out, and I'll yep. string it through if I had an awesome turkey hunt or a duck hunt. And I'm like, this this yeah. reminds me mm -hmm. of that. That personal meaning. Symbol. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's what it's about for me. And so, anyways, we've been talking, and I'll, we'll be working out a you deal. You better get on his waiting list, though, because <laughs> I heard it's pretty long. I can yeah. only imagine. I'm like, that, that would be the tough part is not is Wanting it trying to help everybody, right? Obviously, oh, it gets you can handle it, but yeah. it's like you know. Obviously, it's a it's a fast food society right now. Like yep. people want it quickly, and you can't pump these out that fast. No. Like this takes time. You're not right. laser engraving these with a CNC machine. Yeah, no, talk like, about this the engraving is process. Real, no, it's, real artistic. It's all ability. by hand. There's no machining. I mean, the only machining I'm using is routers, grinders, sanders, and burning pens. Yeah. And, you know, saws, cutting the horn. But as far as doing the artwork, it's just good old-fashioned mm -hmm. fingertips and yeah. my energy. Handcrafted um, individually. Right. And every one is a one-of-a-kind yep. piece. None of them are ever the and, same. Uh, you know, like, like the one we're talking about that I'm going to build for you, 30, <laughs> sometimes 40% of my business in any given time is just custom orders. That's cool. Yeah. And there's a beauty in that, too, especially when I get to meet the customer a little bit, like with you, Dan, is just from this cast we're doing, in meeting you and talking, mm -hmm. when I go to build your mug, this energy will go into that because now I'm getting a sense for who you are yeah. Yeah. and what kind of person you are. And, it, and I'm going to think of that as I'm picking out the handle and how tall should I make your mug. And His already, energy yeah. will go into the piece. Right. He's yeah. going to be listening to the podcast oh, episode while so he's <laughs> I'm so excited mug. right now. Can I just add, um, recently there was a customer that ordered a mug a couple of mugs from Todd to gift to a family member. And they were so oh. excited oh, awesome. to give him these mugs that they videotaped giving him his gift and opening it in the responses and they filmed it and sent it to Todd. Oh. So Todd gets to watch. Oh, the, the not Jeremiah Johnson yes. mug. Yes. And <laughs> it was so special because they were all so excited about it. Yeah. And that kind of feedback just pumps him yeah. up more and builds him up. It's more. that validation that you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're good at it, you know? Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, it came to me as I've been doing this and I've been literally living my passion in my dream, and, and these thoughts come to me that it's just like everybody's got a gift. I think 
the most difficult thing for us sometimes as we go through life is finding out what that is. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's good at something. And everyone wants to find it. They don't right, know how. Right. Or I didn't know this was my thing. Yeah. It just started to happen, and then I just went with it. Um, I don't I don't want to take your time away from making these amazing mugs, but do you do <laughs> tattoo work by chance? No, but if I had a nickel for every time somebody <laughs> asked me to do tattoos, um, I work on horn, not skin, yeah. so that's a, it's, it's a, a different medium. Different. But it's a very similar process because I take a hot electric wood burning, uh, burning pen, but yeah. wood burning pen, polygraphy, and... I burn it on horn instead of on a log or, you know. Yeah. So I, and it was just an experiment. I wanted to see what I could do on the horn. And, well, as you see, this is what it this comes out. It so yeah. I start with burning it. I do what's called a base burn and basically do a shadow of the image on there. And then I come in and do all the hair lines and the fine lining and detail. And then it reaches a point where I start to introduce the paint and I manipulate the paint back and forth. And I just keep playing with it until it's done. Some of the fun things that people won't realize, I just sold one before coming over here. It's a white tail buck rubbing on a tree. And the fun thing is, is when I made the rub on the tree, I burned the tree with the pen, the pen excuse me, the pen very heavy. And I actually took my X-Acto blade and I'm scraping the tree I made. Oh my God. Which is what? Scrape. It's emulating, yeah. well, it's emulating, I'm actually yeah. rubbing the tree yeah. with yeah. my yeah. blade like to make yeah. it look scraped. And I'm kind of laughing going, okay, that's how much I'm into <laughs> yeah. hunting. I'm like rubbing the rub. <laughs> <laughs> So realistic. Uh, yeah, it's very, very realistic. realistic. Um, so speaking of hunting, do you hunt? Oh, yes. You do? Oh, yes. Your... Um, my father took me up the tree with him when I was nine years old with his old homemade climber with a hemp rope at my waist and pulled me up. Wow. <laughs> like dragging a deer up a, 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 a ridge and strapped me up above the tree stand. And ever since then, I'm like, this is the life. Yeah. So um, that was at nine years old. And now I'm 53 and I've never missed a, a bow hunting season. Nice. Um, I'm addicted to it. And, you know, everybody's like, okay, antler, antlers trophy. I love antlers. And I can say this with conviction. When I'm in my stand and I've been hunting since I was a kid, a spike buck walks in behind me and the hair in my neck goes up just because I love seeing a deer and feeling yep. it. Yeah. I'm the kind of guy that shoots a doe and I'll show everybody the picture and they laugh at me. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's just a doe. A doe is a doe. I'm like, you don't understand. If you ask me about how this hunt went and that I tracked her for three miles yeah. after I shot her. I mean, there's, it's the story. It's the yeah. whole thing is the trophy. Yep. The antlers are the bonus. Yeah. Yep. yeah the antlers are a memento of right. the actual yes. experience, the adventure. Yeah. And you can't deny there is something to be said when you're out in the woods seeing a deer and getting it. There's something about that giant buck or that elk. There is something majestic when you see that crown they're wearing. Yep. It, it, it does, you know, which is what it's meant to do. Those bucks have those racks to attract yeah. The others, you know, so. And it's the rarity of it, I think. You know, like a 200-inch white-tailed deer would almost lose its luster if every property had them. Yeah. Like if, if, if you could go out and shoot one every single year. Well, right. Then it's like the 300-inch buck would be the one because it's like, a, it's like a, an elite representation of the species. Exactly. Right? It's kind of like take, uh, use a car analogy, mm -hmm. right? If everybody had a Corvette, oh, yeah. would it still have the energy Absolutely. and meaning of having no. a Corvette? Yeah. yeah. No. Once everybody has one, it becomes the average in the general. Yep. You know, so. That's true. Well, and um, Melanie, you're getting into archery. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Have you shot the courses here yet? No. When are you I, going out? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going well, on the practice course tomorrow morning if you well, want to join me. I would love to join you. However, um, I am not able to use my bow on these courses. So oh, okay. I, 
Uh, yeah, I have a crossbow. Nice. Okay. So yeah. I can't use that here. However, I would love to try it. That would be wonderful. But yeah, this, this is, is my first year of archery, and I'm very, very, very excited about it. I'm very happy to be here. This yeah. place is just pumping me up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This so. is our first time at Bowfest. Mm -hmm. And when I got here and set up on Thursday, I called Melanie, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I fell in love with the resort. I fell in love with the energy here, all the like-minded people. And I'm like, her and my daughter out here. I'm like, you guys got to get out here. This yeah. place is awesome. The energy. And I'm like, oh, I should have brought my bowl because yeah. I'm looking at the courses here and just the energy. The amount of parents with kids, yeah. six-year-olds walking around oh, with bowl and quivers kids, yeah. and I shooting the course. It. And to see all the family involved, yeah. it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. it, and it's and a I am looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. It's a totally different vibe, you know, like. Because this is our first year, too. There's a oh, lot is it? Of, okay. Yeah, this yeah. is our first year here. Okay. And it's like. There's something about the precision and the accuracy and the the intimacy of archery that yes. just breeds a different crowd, you know, versus like long range shooting with right. a rifle. Right. You know, like there's a lot of people here that are just like minded and like yeah. the experience is what it's all about. You know, yeah. watching them walk up Learning and down these it. mountains and just almost geek out about the shot angles. And it's like, dude, yeah. that trail was yeah. crazy. It was gnarly. I almost fell down, like having to shoot through these trees. It's like there's an awareness of the surroundings and and an appreciation for you know what they've set up here at Bowfest that I don't think we've seen at any other show that we've been to. No. Right, right. It gives you uh, and, er and every I, terrain and angle that you can have. Yeah. yeah. And I've been, you know, rifle hunting and gun hunting all my life too, and they both have their beauty <coughs> in equal respect. I don't yeah. ever want to diss on one. It, it, and I want to say this and be careful not to um, insult any of it because yeah. but a lot of times there's an argument or people get in or you know bull versus gun and i don't care what weapon you're yeah. using yeah. It, it's the energy of being out there with that said there's something about taking let's say for an example a white-tailed deer it's 700 yards across a canyon versus at seven yards when you can hear it breathe yeah, yeah. there's an intimacy that's not there with the rifle that there is with the bow or close range yep mm -hmm. you know that, that it's a whole different energy field and not that anyone is good, bad, right, or wrong, or not that one's better than the other. It's just a difference. So it, it, it's just a different energy when you can feel that animal breathing. Yeah. I, I mean, I look at it like at a sports event, right? It's one thing to be up in the nosebleeds. It's another thing if you could sit on the bench right. on the edge of the yeah. field and, like, just be close. And there's something about the closeness of it. And even hearing people talk, uh, I was talking to, I think it was Nick the other day, and he was talking about hunting deer from the ground. Instead yes. of being up in a tree. Yes. He's like just getting on the same level, like the eye level right. of it. He's like, it just changes everything. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it, everything has its own perks uh, and its own respect. I still love rifle hunting. I come up here every year for rifle hunting. But for some reason, archery just has a different draw yeah. to me. I had a, a guy, you know, similar conversation to this. And he was just like, yeah, I'm a big gun hunter. And I get tired of the bull hunter saying all this. And he says, what's really the difference? And I says, do you have kids? And he says, yeah. And I says, how old is your kid? And he goes, well, I have a son who's six. I says, well, try this once. I says, next time you talk to him, tower right over him and look down at him, have him look up at you and talk to him. I said, then do it again on your knees at his eye level and tell me you can't feel the difference in his energy. Yeah, and yours. That's crazy, and yours. Yeah. And he went, he just kind of looked, and you could tell I got him because he was like, how are you going to argue that? Yep. Get on your knee and talk to your six-year-old, yeah. and not only will you feel a different energy, so will he'll, he will, and now you have a completely different energy transformation than that, hey, I'm your father, and I'm up here. Look at me. You yeah. know? So. Oh, absolutely. 
Well, I don't want to take you guys away from your booth because I've been watching, I mean, all day. I feel like we've been trying to connect and you guys have had people over there the whole time. But yeah. I do want to give you guys an opportunity. Where can people find you? Where can they go and make an order? And like, what shows are you going to that they could come and be a part uh, of? Well, my business uh, with what I do is Antlered Mugworks. I have my website, antleredmugworks.com. Um, I am on Facebook, um, which has been a little lax. I haven't updated uh, in a while. I'm on Instagram. And I have about seven shows that are my staple shows each year that I do. And then I'm always trying to incorporate new ones. Um, I have my business cards. Um, my business phone is also my personal cell, so it's the same phone number. Um, and the next show I'm going to be going to from Bowfest is I'm leaving right from here. I'm going to the Sturgis Bike Rally. Nice. It'll be my eighth year out there. And then after that, I will be at the Warren's Cranberry Fest in Warren's, Wisconsin at the end of September. And then I will just be working on orders and my next show to start. All winter. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then the next show that I have to get ready for that I'm already building for is the uh, Wild Sheep Foundation show in Reno, oh, Nevada sweet. in January. Nice. You're traveling out there. Yeah, I'll be cool. traveling out to Reno. So um, I am working on uh, getting my website updated. Um, everything takes so much time and trying yeah. to keep up with the it The thing all. is right now, you don't need the business. <laughs> You've got it. <laughs> He's so busy well, already. He's yeah, booked up until spring of next um, year yeah people ask me like oh i want to order one for christmas and nope. i used to tell them i need it by june now it's like i start taking christmas orders in now. january yeah. Yeah. yeah well i hand custom make each piece yeah. people will call me up and say well can i rush order one and i said no you can't and they're like well why not and i'm like because to me you don't rush quality in yeah. artwork so i can't good. do it fast yeah, yeah. it's not mm -hmm. done till it's done yeah um, and I am working on eventually, I want to do it soon, is have it on my website where here's the shows I'm going to be at. That's yeah. good, um, yeah. Sometimes customers, another way is they see me at a show, they pick up my card, I talk to them, they got my number. They'll call me and say, hey, what show are you going to be at? Sometimes I find out they live 10 miles from me, and they'll say, oh, can I come over and see what you have? Yeah. So it's very common for, yeah. you know what, I've got uh, nine whitetail mugs made right now. How about I meet you somewhere for a brunch, and yeah. I'll show you what I got. And oh, sweet. It's just kind of... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. super cool. I love just seeing all of the different people here, their passions, and how they're incorporated into the outdoor space, into yeah. the industry. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, before we hop off, I got to have yeah. you try Minnesota, uh, Minnesota marshmallow. marshmallow. Minnesota we were eating them earlier when Melanie, Melanie was here. Had <laughs> well, it was so honestly, good. I mean, it, it surprised me what like i didn't know what to expect i thought i was I gonna get like a crumbled up s'mores mixed in with a marshmallow but it's the craziest it's, thing it is an actual marshmallow but it, it's more than a marshmallow honey try one you're gonna love it if I not give like, it to melody she'll eat it when i got here thursday and set up i was walking around to meet the other vendors yeah. and i want to say she was seven y or yes. eight the girl she, yeah. in the booth she is she was adorable because i walked up and said hi and she said hi she goes are you familiar with minnesota marshmallows i said no and she was so professional and so Wasn't sweet. She I was amazing. like, and I looked at her and I says, "Well, I don't typically eat marshmallows, yeah. and I have to watch my sugar." And I said, "However, my wife and my daughter are yeah. coming out." I says, "And they're s'more junkies. Like yeah. they will stack the marshmallows, uh -huh. so they mm -hmm. love the marshmallows. I will send them over." 
And she go, and I said, but tell me about your product. And this girl, without missing a beat, she she says, well, have I got a treat for you? <laughs> even when I, even when I, even when I told her that I wasn't going to eat one, she said, she never didn't change her no, attitude no. and treat me as, oh, I don't have a customer. She her is going passion, places. and I'm like, oh my God, you're golden. Yeah. Yep. And I said, tell me about your product, and she didn't miss a beat. So because of that, and now with you guys at your show, I'm I have to try a marshmallow. Yeah. The spirits are Just, telling yeah. me I got to try it. Hey, Just and if not, give nibble. it to your daughter. Yeah. But yeah, the girl the same thing. She stopped oh us. Oh my gosh! And, what are yeah. these Bigfoot bites? Peanut butter Oreo <laughs> and cookie dough. I think so Was good. It? They're oh so my gosh! What I, you know? When I took it out of the bag earlier, when you offered it to yeah. me, I was not expecting it to even be squishy like a Same. marshmallow. No. I Same. was like, "Whoa, it's like a marshmallow!" It it's really like is. It looks cute. like a piece of marble from Italy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like you know the Rocky Road ice cream, where it's uh -huh. marbleized. For real, after talking to her again on Thursday when we were all setting up, oh. I was like, <laughs> so she needs to be selling herself. Mm. Like, yes. Can I make these noises on air? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's, there's a whole industry of ASMR. So, I mean, yeah. From what I've been Holy told, and cow. I haven't met this this girl, but she sounds like the puppy in the advertising. because Oh, for real. Right? Oh, she, she, was, she draws you in. Like Shark Tank. If she, she was on Shark Tank, oh, she deals could, She everywhere. could make 20 grand at this show just by offering her time like an hour at a time going yeah. and promoting for other she's people. she's real. She was so sincere. She crushed it. She really did. One These... of the best salespeople I've ever met. Nice. I'm not kidding. There's I'm, so not, many I'm, not, I'm not saying it's because we're what on air. I didn't. The good? owner is oh. Amy, but that was okay. like oh her God. husband's cousin or something. But okay. And if you want to see the yet? marshmallows, yeah. they're online at the Minnesota Marshmallow, but it's oh this dense square of yummy deliciousness. It's really good. But I That's really, a taste of heaven. Holy it's cow. It's so good. Well, wow. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I yeah. love connecting with you, and hopefully yeah. the next so few good, years Shady. we'll be back, and us. we'll it's see you nice. guys. So uh, we'll Thank connect. Thank you for them. having us, Dan and Sam. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much. We're about to set up a deal off okay. air with some antlers <laughs> and some yeah. Bugs, so. <laughs> yeah. I'll be uh, in the middle of that as well, back at home. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. All right, guys, welcome to the show. We are here at Bowfest and we're sitting down talking to Bailey. Bailey, you and I met yesterday the three of us met yeah you me and my wife and we stopped by because i saw a sweet contraption was that <laughs> technically a surfboard or a wakeboard that it's it was on technically a surfboard okay um it's an adaptive surfboard yeah so i my name is bailey and i work with a nonprofit that started just back in august um, oh recently we officially became a 5013c in nice. august of 22 so but we've been doing this since 2019, but okay. it was just kind of out of pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our founder, president, his name is Jeremy, he did 28 years in the military. And wow. when he got out, he didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he had a boat 
and he found himself taking his friends who were military and some first responders and their families out on the water. Yeah. And he realized he was onto something. It was healing. Um, people put their phones down. Yeah. And people started bonding on an, on another level. And yeah. He's like, I think I think I need to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um, he started working with some some bigger partners, and they got us a boat and. Before we knew it, we were taking everybody out, and a lot of the people that we take out are amputees, and they don't always have uh, like the equipment that they need. Yeah. Um, so we built the surfboard so that people with prosthetics or with with no legs, or mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to get them up and out of the water and up That's on the surfboard awesome. doing something cool again. We'll have to take like a picture of it and post it online. Oh yeah, that that's so cool. And I mean, when I talk to different people, it seems like just being outdoors and doing activities like that breaks down walls. I mean, it's like you can build relationships so quickly when you're in the outdoors, when you're doing a fun activity like that, something that's just a little out of the box, something that might not be an everyday um, activity. And so that's really cool that that's what he realized in that moment, like, this is it. This is what we're doing. Yeah, so we've been helping a lot of families. Um, the, the nonprofit's been growing way quicker than we could have ever imagined. We have just a lot of people on board with it. And uh, thankfully, we're so blessed to have awesome partners who believe in it with us. And, you know, Jeremy and his wife, actually, Kaylin, she's going to retire this year out of the, um, she's the National Guard. And she's going to retire after 20 years. And she's, you know, on board with with Jeremy and making sure that everybody gets out there. But you don't realize that the family is also affected affected yeah. when you know they you put on your uniform you go out for the day well exactly. who are you leaving behind when yeah. when and if something happens and and so the main point of it is to get people out on the water mm-hmm. to grow and heal together and we actually bring a film crew out a professional film crew so we found that people put their phones away yeah and they just interact with their family on a whole nother level that they haven't really done before. And then a lot of times they're learning a new sport. Yeah. And wake surfing is one of those where we can teach you how to do it. Yeah. I mean, you can learn it in a day. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so rewarding, especially if you have felt challenged to learn something new recently. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's sweet. And wake surfing is, I started doing it, what, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. And it's funny because it's so low impact. Like when you wipe out, you don't wipe... Back when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I could jump off a roof and probably be fine. <laughs> and now I'm like, if I bend down to tie my shoe wrong, yeah. I get hurt. And so that's really sweet. I mean, doing the whole wake surfing thing, being on water, getting out there. Um, that's just, that's really cool. How do you guys find like the veterans, the servicemen and women that you guys partner with and take out? So we do a lot of it by coming to these events like Bowfest. Yeah. Uh, we come out here and... We have a website, ourheroestour.org. We send people to our website to get involved, and they can volunteer, they can donate, oh, cool. they can nominate a hero. And, you know, hero means different things to every person. Yeah. So it's really interesting to get all the nominations, and we read these stories, and, you know, you click with so many of them, and you just want to help every single person that you can. And so we actually have some family days, too, where we have a bunch of boats that come out there, and we invite everybody we have volunteer days where all of our volunteers get to come out and uh, bring their families, and we grill and have a good time on the water. That's so fun. But mostly it's uh, through these kind of events where we meet people. Yeah. Can you tell us a few stories of maybe some that you've taken out that you're able to share? 
Yeah, so one of, uh, one of the most impl- impactful stories that I've had, actually, um, I, I feel like we're all pretty good friends now, but yeah. um, when they wanted me to come on board with our Heroes Tour, I was like, I'm in no matter what. But he started telling me the story, and I was like, okay, now I'm in now tears. I'm for sure. in. <laughs> and I'm for sure here. Yeah. You have every all my time. Um, but one of our, um, he, he now helps with us, but his name is Eric. He was an army ranger and he got in an accident when he was deployed and he hurt his leg Mm -hmm. and for years he just dealt with a hurt leg and he was having some issues some blood clots and stuff and he actually had to get his uh, leg amputated on his son's third birthday and he has two kids Um, they were three and three and five at the time and actually they're pregnant with their third right now but um he was seven years post amputee and um he came out on the boat with Jeremy, and his kid didn't really think much of dad at yeah. that point. You know, dad can't skate, dad can't run, yeah. dad can't swim. Like, he didn't really have a good relationship with his son after um, the accident or after the amputation. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're all in the boat and just having a good time, and dad's trying and trying to get up, and they're not having any luck. And then all of a sudden, Dad stood up and he's surfing and he's got his prosthetic and he's killing it. And his son just starts crying. He's like, oh Dad, gosh. you're doing it! You're That's doing it! Cry. <laughs> and then they realized that the kid was so stoked to see his dad yeah. doing something oh cool again. Right? I know. That, like, gets you. Jeez, you can't make me cry. I, it's a podcast. Oh, my god! It's so hard to even oh tell. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So you, the mom is crying now. The dad's crying. Jeremy's driving the boat. He's crying. And, I mean, we got the entire thing on camera because we bring a professional film crew out there. And so now they, yeah. they can relive this moment. And since he, um, Eric, he comes out and surfs with us pretty regularly. He gets yeah. a lot more people with um, prosthetics out there, too. And we get people up that never thought that they would surf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's loving it and he's actually works um he's working with the VA right now. Yeah. And they created a ice skating blade. So oh, it's a cool. foot attachment for his uh, prosthetic. And so he's his son will be five this October and he's going to surprise his son taking him ice skating. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's super huge. I mean um Yeah, that is so great. Yeah, it's it's so touching. You think you know these stories. Like, I knew yeah. Eric beforehand. I knew that we have another kid, Jed. He um, lost his leg in a farming accident when he was 17. And he kind of, you know, didn't really think he was going to do anything ever again. But now he's working back on the farm. And he's out there surfing. And he competed in a tournament a couple weeks ago. And he's trying to get more people with um, amp- or amputees yeah. out there. And yeah. Wow. It's, it's a really unique experience. You just th- think you know these stories, and then you're out there on the boat, and you're crying every single day, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I stop doing this. I swear, it's the waves splashing on my face. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not me crying. I know. We actually um, had an event, or not even an event. We just wanted to introduce Jed to Eric because they both had prosthetics. Um, Jed had a – he is not in the military, so he doesn't have as many opportunities yeah. as Eric with the VA. And so he wanted to talk to Eric about, you know, what, what should I get? What should yeah. I do? Um, what kind of foot attachments should I have? Um, you know, all these things. Like, yeah. And so we brought him out there, and the two of them got to talking about all these things that are completely over my head. But for them, it's they just know. another day in the life, you know, doing all these things with their foot attachments and putting yeah. them on. And it's, 
the struggles that only they know. Mm-hmm. And so getting them out there and making those memories and with their family, like how impactful. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't imagine. That's incredible. Where are yeah. you guys, where do you guys do this all? I mean, are you in the Great Lakes area or state so, specific? So we are technically located out of Chisago City, Minnesota, okay. but um, we travel all around. We have families that are from Wilmer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been up on Big Sandy. Next week, we're doing an event in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. Um, we just pretty much travel to the hero. Yeah. Yeah. And some people sponsor a big event, and they'll have, like, we would just show up with the equipment. We have the boat, we have the boards, and then the people will have an entire day of it. Yeah. I mean, we'll take them out to lunch or whatever, and, but, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. I, I love that, and I'm super excited that we got to meet you. Honestly, you roped me in with the whole thing of <laughs> monsters and with seeing yes. the board. I'm like, I've got to know what this is, and I really want to get one of those mango monsters. Right. And so, uh, and then Sam came over and she's like, she's coming over to do a podcast. We I'm gotta, like, yes. We got to chat about it. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. And to get people to, you know, be more aware of it or, you know, they themselves, if they want to, you know, do it or nominate someone else. Yeah. Share that website about. again where people can go if they want to participate, nominate somebody donate. else, donate any of it. So our website is OurHeroesTour.org, um, and that's where you can go to nominate. Um, you can volunteer. You can donate. Um, you know, we can't do this without other support. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, a, it's quite expensive to get everybody out on the boat, but it's well, well worth when it. When you hear stories like that, I mean... Dan, I don't know if you shed a tear, but I was crying over I was getting choked up. I had to think of other things. I was, like, looking off in the distance, like, don't cry, don't cry. (laughs) Right? Enjoy the view. It worth it. Enjoy the view. There's a nice trail over there. (laughs) Sand in my eye. Dang it. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of ways to get involved. There's a lot of partnership options. Um, We actually have a film crew that records all of all of these experiences. And at the beginning and end of all the videos, we have our partners that we work with. And... We give the video to the family. They can do what they want with it. Yeah. Some people choose to share it. Some people keep it for themselves. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't share anything without the family's consent. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's it's really rewarding. <laughs> well, and I love that because you, you said yesterday when we first started talking, like, about the film crew. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But not only to have the memory but, like, the fact that they don't have to be on their phones. Like, yeah. they don't have to have their phones out, be like, recording. Present. They can be fully present and still have something to look back at yeah. instead of experiencing it through a screen mm-hmm. for the first time. You and know? that's true because you see out. people on the water and it's like, oh, look, Dad's surfing. Let's take a video. And all of a sudden they you're worried about it. the video or you're worried about yeah. the quality or your angle. And all of a sudden you're not even engaged you're not fully in the moment. There, yes. So... That's that's amazing. I love it, and I encourage everybody listening to this, like, go on, check it out. Figure out how you can become a part, how you can be involved, yeah. nominate somebody. Share it. And, yeah, I can only imagine how much what you're doing, the work that you're doing, means to these people. Like, all of these people who gave so much, and their families, their kids. Yeah. Jeez, I don't want to think about <laughs> the kids' story anymore. The I'm kids. like, I'm getting choked up again. It's the been, kids. Yeah. It is so fun for the kids, especially when the kids... Um, like, so Jeremy will get in the water and he'll help yeah. the kids get up surfing too. He'll hold on to them and he'll take, you know, three, four, five, six year old kids yeah. up there. That's everybody gets to learn how to do it. Wow. Surfing's for everybody. Surfing <laughs> is for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. I mean, I would have never thought that that would be a thing. Like, I watched somebody do it and I'm like, this is, 
this is so lame. Like, you could be wakeboarding and, like, jumping over the wake and doing this and that. And mm-hmm. then after I ate it on a wakeboard, like, two or three times, <laughs> I'm like, I want that thing. That seems way more fun. <laughs> I'm still not it. good at it, so I might need to come take some lessons. <laughs> yes, we actually try and do wake Wednesdays where we just invite everybody out on Wednesdays. Oh, sweet. And That's fun, It's yeah. super fun. Mm-hmm. How, how good are you? I mean, do you have it down pretty good? So I am not very good, um, but I learned how to <laughs> wake surf. That's why you're not giving the lessons, <laughs> is that right? Right. I learned how to wake surf. I actually grew up on the lake, um, so I am a water skier. Yeah. Um, but we learned how to wake surf because it would be the calm down from the day. So you'd be wakeboarding or skiing all day, and then all of a sudden you just wind down with wake surfing. Yeah. It's calming and the boat goes slower so people on the boat can actually like interact and enjoy what you're doing as opposed to can't hear going anything. fast <laughs> and not being able to hear anything exactly so that's how I learned how and what I don't know I'm 31 now and I learned how to do it when I was 13 yeah but I didn't know that wake surfing been around that long yeah holy cow <laughs> but the boards are way different they have come oh, yeah. a long yeah. way but and the boats have also come a long way there's just there's some really great equipment out there. It, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. super cool. Well, we need to talk about it and figure out how we're getting involved. Right. Because this sure. is exciting. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Where, where are you guys out of? We're in Missouri. Springfield, okay. Missouri, yeah. But his family, I mean, he was born in Eau Claire, so we always come north for Thanksgiving for hunting season. So we're Well, around. hey, in the heat of the summer in Missouri, if we can just come up here and oh, volunteer or sure. do something, that sounds Yeah, and we're trying to expand. So right, right now we are on the water. Um, but we want to expand seasonally because obviously like we're different in Minnesota. activities. Mm-hmm. Cool. So hopefully we'll be. We, we work with a lot of other nonprofits too. So we do uh, like wounded warriors, and basically if somebody else has a nonprofit, we will just show up with the equipment. So yeah. they'll bring the people, and we'll have the equipment, and make sure everybody can get up and get up and out and get on the water. I, I'm sure we could volunteer our time. I am not going to be an instructor of anything. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can do it. You I, can. No, don't, I, don't let Dan fool well, you. Well, I told her about everything. going with Dustin out to Breckenridge. Oh, yeah. And my buddy Dustin, he, he rides like the slalom ski, and he's got like the ski poles and stuff. And he's like, hey, man, if I tip over, I'm going to need your help like to get back up. I can't get myself back up. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it, he's in a strapped-in seat. That dude shredded down the mountain like and he was in the for Dan. X Games. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like turning into a cartoon snowball, like just <laughs> eating it over and over. So, yeah, I'll volunteer somehow, <laughs> but do not let me instruct anybody. <laughs> Sometimes as a volunteer, all we do is just talk and engage with the family. Yeah, Perfect. You're really yeah. good at hey. that. <laughs> He's a people person. That's I'll just his job. put a trash bag over the top of my board, and we'll just come out and hang out podcast. and chat. Right, we'll podcast from the boat, next level. Right. <laughs> Some of the really good guys are going to be wake surfing behind with the headset on, <laughs> the talking to us. <laughs> Meanwhile, right. I can't even stand up in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you we'll so much for having We'll be coming and hanging me. out by the booth. I saw it. Apparently, we drew a crowd over there today during the rock climbing competition. Yes. yes we are very grateful that the National Guard could be here with the rock wall. Yeah. They. It was fun. Yeah. They're awesome over there. They so. truly are. We're lucky. We're lucky that we get to work with them. All right. Have you guys done anything, like, here at Bowfest? Be- not a booth, but, like, I know they've got, like, boats and stuff to rent out here. Have you ever have you done an event during Bowfest yet? This is my first um, time up here at Bowfest, but we met Mike at the Sportsman Show, and uh, <coughs> we talked about how we wanted to hopefully next year host yeah. a family. That would and be so awesome. Hopefully next year Mike um, will provide a family from the area, and then we can host an experience out here, either 
probably Monday or two, you know, right beforehand. Yeah. yeah. So the family can get featured out here and we can provide them awesome. a place to stay and then have them on the water. And That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Because a lot of the families like hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Bring them out. I mean, these we, courses are awesome. I feel like this place, this is something we're going to come back and do year after year. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know about it. This is our first year too. And I can't believe we haven't with how, how long it's been around. Yeah. Like, 10 or something, 11 years, something crazy that you did it. And some of the guys that you know have been on the show, they're like, wait, what are you going to? Right. So everybody, everybody listening to this, go on, donate, put in your input on hosting an event here at Bowfest next year. (laughs) Submit a form. Nominate a family. And we will have them out next year. Donate money or tissue boxes. (laughs) One of the two. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being on. Well, I hope you guys have been having fun so far this episode. I really did enjoy editing this and recording with all of these awesome guests. But last and definitely not least, we've got Cooper Romanstead. I'm pumped for this. You guys are really going to enjoy hearing from him and talk about a first deer story. Just wait. It's going to be good. All right, guys, welcome back to the show, and we are still here at Bowfest. Right now, I'm sitting down with Cooper Romanstead. How's it going, dude? Oh, it's going great. Man, I I was talking to Matt yesterday, and he goes, you want a podcast guest? You got to talk to Cooper. This kid will mm-hmm. talk your ear off about hunting, and then we stopped over by the booth today, and uh, yeah, you're like, let's do it, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So now we're here doing it. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um... Cooper, I uh, am 14. Uh, I love deer hunting. Um, I love going fishing a lot. And, uh, yeah. So deer hunting is your, is that like your favorite thing to hunt? Oh, yeah. Archery or rifle? Rifle. I want to get into archery, though. Yeah. Do you have a bow yet? No, not yet. All right. Next well, few weeks here, though. I'll I was going to say, nice. you're in the right place for, for figuring out what bow you want and, mm-hmm. and shooting, because... That's when things, I feel like, changed for me. I bet you, I was probably around 14 when I got my first bow. Mm-hmm. And it, after that, it was just in the backyard every single day. I'd shoot 500 arrows, probably. Oh, nice. As soon as I got into it. Oh, Someone. there goes the Mustang. I heard yeah. that pretty loud. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so rifle hunting, mm-hmm. where do you where do you typically hunt? I hunt uh, about... I hunt in Twig, Minnesota. Okay. It's uh, it's kind of by, it's kind of a little bit north of uh, Duluth. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, we see deer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, hunt with a Mossberg 243. 243. Yeah. Nice. What uh, what type of terrain is it? I mean, are you hunting crop fields, big woods? Uh, public land, um, like hardwoods and swamps and stuff. Uh, a lot of, it's wet. It's wet? Cedar okay. swamps. And, oh, dang. And then there's uh, some old logging cuts and stuff. Nice. Yeah. I bet you see all kinds of different animals up there. I mean, oh, we'll like see. we're so far north. There's bears, there's wolves, there's all kinds of stuff up here. Yeah, we see wolves, sometimes we see like fox and stuff, and nice. then we see deer and too many squirrels. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. It's like they, 
I feel like they kind of have a powwow before deer season, and they're like, all right, guys, the hunters are coming out. Let's just mess with them as much as we can. Oh, yeah. I've had them had one poop right down my back of my shirt. I was <laughs> sitting in deer stand. <laughs> oh, no. I've had them. I, I feel like they're intelligent enough to where they can really mess with you. Like, I've had them go up in a tree above me, and they're just snapping off acorns, like just dropping them on me. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... I feel like it should be legal to carry a BB gun with you while you're rifle hunting. Yeah. Just for squirrels. Because, I mean, they're in season typically at that point. So yep. I feel like that's a no-brainer. Yeah, but yeah. then you go out squirrel hunting and all you see is deer. Oh, yeah. I walked out. I've been out squirrel hunting. My shotgun or grouse hunting, you go out and you just spook 30 deer. Oh, my Jeez. Yeah. So how long have you been hunting for? What or What's the age requirement here in Minnesota? Uh, you gotta be, you can hunt at any age. So if you gotta have your gun safety to hunt in a different stand within yelling distance at 12. Okay. Once you're 14, you can do whatever, hunt wherever nice. you want. Um, and then, uh, but before that, you gotta have a parent in the stand with you. Okay. To hunt and yeah. So how'd you get into it? Was it fam? Like, did your family hunt, or did you get into it with some friends, or what? It's a very funny story. So my mom and dad don't deer hunt okay. at okay. all. But my on my mom's side, they deer hunt, like, yeah. big time. Yeah. And they got a camper out there. They'll go out. And uh, so I'll, I first went out there when I was in, like, third grade, and I'd just sit in the stand. No gun or nothing. You and were then, just interested in it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I got uh Remington 870 uh, 410 with slugs. Yeah. So I go out there and I would sit in the stand with them and uh, didn't see any deer. But uh, yeah, we'd wait. And then, uh, so the next year, I got my first rifle. And then we uh, shot a deer that year. Nice. nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. How was your first deer experience? Tell me, tell me the story about your first deer. All right. So it's opening weekend of rifle season. And it's a Sunday. And um, where I wake up and uh, I told my dad, I was like, all right, you want, let's go out. And it's me and my dad, my dad in the stand. We're sitting in the stand and we hear gunshots, I don't know, 200, 300 yards away. So we're sitting there quietly and all of a sudden, bam, about 100 yards down the shooting lane, there goes a doe running. And they were running hard. Yeah. So then... Um, like 20 seconds later, her out steps out this nine point buck and I, and we don't shoot many bucks. Like we'll shoot like four corns and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, this was like the biggest buck in like 10 years. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, so it steps out and, uh, I dropped my grunt call and it, it's a wooden stand. It just, bam. Oh no. And the deer looks at me. And he comes, like, trotting up the shooting lane towards me. <laughs> so I'm pulling up my gun, and I got him on him. And I, he goes, he's zigzagging in the woods. He's, he's, like, seven or eight yards from the stand. And I look at my dad and go, can you plug my ears? My dad, <laughs> my dad looks at me and goes, just shoot him. <laughs> and uh, so I shoot him, and I... Never shot a deer, so I don't really yeah. know where. So I was like, okay, I'll just put it like somewhere in the, the heart. Chest, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in the like chest. And uh, so I shoot him. 
he does a big mule kick and he runs out. And then uh, me and my dad are like shaking. I'm like, holy crap, I just shot a deer. I just shot a deer. <laughs> my uncle's like, wait in the stand like at least 20 minutes and that doe is going to come back to you. And I said, I don't care about the doe. I want to go get my deer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we went and got down out of the stand like a minute and a half after I shot. And yeah. He, he ran 25, 30 yards. Oh, wow. my gosh. And he, he died right on the four-wheeler trail. So nice. your first deer was the biggest deer in camp for the last 10 years. About that, yeah. That's sweet, man. Yeah. Heck, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that's going to get you hooked faster than that. Oh, for yeah. sure. And then, yeah. So my dad's never shot a deer before. Okay. Yeah. So I've Does shot he still come out with you? Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, he bought a gun, and he, he comes out. Yeah. You need to teach I was going to say, <laughs> after seeing you and your excitement for it, I'm sure that probably got him pretty interested. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, he's just. Cool. That's sweet. So a nine-point buck. Did you get it mounted? No, no, he wasn't. Yeah, you it wasn't quite minor because I, I bet I'll get something bigger yeah. later. Yeah. But I uh, I put his like rack on the wall with the nice like a plaque. Oh, you did, did you like do a cap or did you do a euro mount? A uh, plaque. Oh, okay. Like the Sweet. Cap, yeah. Yeah, that's how basically. I, that's I bet what you, you grew up every having. deer that we've ever killed got a plaque mount. Oh, nice. For, I mean, my whole life. I yeah, think when you were younger. The only exception, my dad shot an eight point one year. Mm-hmm. And back then, I mean, that was like a 200-inch deer in my mind. Like, it was just, it seemed so gigantic. Oh, yeah. And now, looking back at it, I'm like, oh, that's just like a normal eight-point buck. Yeah. But back then, it's like they got it shoulder-mounted, and it was just, we had all the red velvet and green velvet and blue velvet plaque Plaques. mounts just <laughs> oh, covering nice. the wall. So yeah. I think I've got, I've probably got 90% of those still. Oh, nice. I love them. But now... These guys, my Euro mounts. That's oh, yeah. my favorite mount now. I love, I, I love, I wish I would have done a European mount on my deer. Yeah. But hey, for your next one, the big one. Yeah. Do it for sure. Yeah. When is, when is rifle season in Minnesota? Is it the same week as Wisconsin, like Thanksgiving week typically? Uh, so when, okay, so it's from February, is it the first weekend of February? And it goes, you got second weekend of February and third weekend of February. And then, dang, yeah, and then Thanksgiving after. Okay. That. So then, yeah, so you got three weekends to rifle hunt. That's sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah, the I've never hunted. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever hunted Minnesota for anything. I've fished Minnesota, but never actually hunted. But yeah, seeing the deer that get pulled out of here. Yeah. I mean, the racks no aren't. Joke. Yeah, the racks aren't always the biggest, but the bodies are huge. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just northern deer. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty incredible how much weight these deer put on, how much oh, yeah. mass they put on. And, uh, yeah, Minnesota's a cool place. Yeah. We, I mean, we haven't really spent a whole lot of time in Minnesota uh -uh. at all. But yeah. it's it's a land of a lot of opportunity. Oh, yes. So that, that deer that you shot, was that on public land or was that? Yep, public yeah? land. Jeez. That's cool. That's sweet. How big is your hunting camp? Like how many people typically come out? Uh, I think we got... It'll go from like eight to like thirteen people, and uh, yeah, they just bought a new camper. Oh, sweet! Yeah, they're like I think last spring. So they just pull up the camper. You guys hang out there for the whole. Oh yeah, the right, whole rifle season. Right down the snowmobile trail, they'll haul it. That's nice. sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I. 
there's something about hunting camp, and I mean, obviously, you said you you started going out before you could ac- actually hunt, mm-hmm. but like just going and getting away. Yeah. The tradition of it, the the, the banter back and forth in yeah. the conversation, you know, them texting Sitting you in the down, stand, making meals, getting up early. Yep. Breaking out, out that pack of hand warmers, making some hot chocolate or yeah. coffee or whatever. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Going to bed at 2 and waking up at 4 yeah. type uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right, right. See you guys in an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back in the stand. So you were in a wooden stand, you said, for that. Yep. And is that stuff that your parties put up over the years? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's just this spot was like um, it was up on a ridge and it's like a big valley. Okay. That it went down. And it's just it was where they logged. And it was just little pencil popples kind of everywhere. Yeah. And he just he was he liked it in there and yeah. there was rubs everywhere that year. I don't Dang. know why, but nice. just, yeah. So is that going to be a new strategy for you? Is just drop your call on your wooden stand from now on and see if it brings the deer in? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the <laughs> next year after that, my dad seen a nice buck when he was in the stand, and then oh, I I heard something making a scrape, yeah. so I grunted. Yeah. And then it came right at me, like a little forkhorn. I pull up my gun, and he spooked. So. Oh man. Yeah. It's funny how you get like during the rut. I feel like everything flips mm-hmm. because normally mature bucks are hard to call in mm-hmm. and the the young year and a half, two and a half year old bucks will come into anything. Mm-hmm. Once the rut hits, the mature bucks come in easier. Oh yeah. And all the young bucks are scared that they're going to get the crap kicked out of them by the older bucks. Oh yeah. And so it's like the roles reverse quite a bit, mm-hmm. but that's cool though, man. First, first experience. It took me, I need to look back and really figure this out. It took me several years before I shot my first deer. Oh, yeah. Same thing. I'd go sit every year. Didn't matter. I'd go sit on the log with my uncle and my cousins. We'd typically, like, be carving sticks or something, and he'd (laughs) say, heads up, there's a deer coming in, and we'd get ready, and he'd shoot it. And by the time I could actually hunt, because back then it was 12 years old. That Mm -hmm. That was the cutoff. Now in Wisconsin, there's no age requirement. But back then it was 12 years old. And then you could you could actually go out and hunt. You had to sit with somebody. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until, I bet you I was 15 or 16, mm-hmm. I had shot one deer and it got away. Oh. And I was sitting, I was sitting by myself. I shot it. Per, I mean, as I wouldn't change a thing. I thought it was a perfect shot. Mm-hmm. Maybe how quick we went after it, but I mean, I saw it right behind the shoulder. I thought this thing was going to be dead in 10 yards. We tracked it for a mile and a half, and then blood ran out and never never found it. Yeah. But my first year, same thing. Less than 10 yards from me, Mm -hmm. shot it at last light, shot it with a 20-gauge slug, not a 410 or a 243, but a 20-gauge slug that close, and it dropped probably about from me to you from the base of my tree. Oh, my gosh. And that was a wooden stand that I put up. I made it out of two by fours and old plywood and screws. <laughs> nice. Is it still standing today? No. Questionable. No, it barely made it through one season. <laughs> I I hung that tree with a couple ratchet straps, and uh, I didn't have a ladder or anything. Well, I had a ladder, but it wasn't an actual ladder that I built. Yeah. It was an old wooden, like, you know those old oh. rickety wooden ladders that oh. you stand on and it oh, can yeah. twist like 90 degrees oh any direction? Yeah, I just I'm leaned out. that up against the tree. I was sitting like six feet off the ground. That was it. Oh, no. nice. Yeah. Deer came right in, shot it, and my mom and dad walked up the hill and they were like, 
did you get something? And yeah. I go, yeah, I did. And they go, where is it? I said, turn around. <laughs> and it was right behind them. They were standing at the base of my tree. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's on the list for this year? Just deer or are you going to hunt something else? Uh, yeah, I want to get into bull hunting. And yeah. I want to. I got a couple spots I want to try. Like, okay. There's a creek stand that we have. And I. it just it looks so good. And everything, Yeah, if you see it, it's going to be close to you. Yeah. And it's going to be a perfect bow shot. It's just a funnel that brings them right underneath you, huh? Oh, yeah. There's a big open meadow, kind of, like swamp meadow, kind of. And then there's a beaver dam. Yeah. Like, everything funnels. Either they go to the west, southwest, or they come southeast, which is okay. right to where the stand is. Nice. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, it sounds like it'll be good. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Are you, uh, do you have plans to hunt any different location? Or, I mean, obviously a couple new spots, but... Do you have a place in mind that you want to hunt the most, like a different state? Wisconsin. I want to try it down there. I've, I, that's where we got our deer shack from, and I heard every, they were driving down there, and every deer they seen was large. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely some big deer here in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. That I mean, that's just, it's known for we it for whatever reason. We don't want people to know that, but <laughs> oh, yeah. it's known. <laughs> oh, people already people know. People know. That's been... That's been the consensus longer than I've been alive yeah. is that there's big yeah. deer in Wisconsin. Yeah. But it's like just the Great Lakes states. I mean, Michigan, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, Minnesota, yeah. they all hold big deer. And even Iowa and Illinois, like oh, yeah. there's just there's something about this part of the country for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the mix of like good growing seasons, a lot of crops, <laughs> a lot of cover. And then the harsh winters kind of force them to put on a lot of weight, take in a lot of nutrients and protein. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever it is, I'm not going to argue with it. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll take the big deer all, all day long. Yeah. Do you have a bucket list hunt? Um, dream hunt. That's, that's a tough dream one. Species? I was going to say, if I told you right now, like, I wish I could do this. I can't. But if I said, you get one wish, any hunt, anywhere, any weapon, what would it be? Me and my grandpa go to Canada or Alaska and go moose hunting. Moose hunting? Yeah. You're That'd speaking cool. my language right now. Does That's your grandpa a... hunt? Oh, yeah. He's nice. big time. He's whitetail, grouse, and duck. He used to duck hunt, but yeah. not anymore. But, uh, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Moose hunting. Yeah. There's something about it. I've been on one moose hunt, mm -hmm. and it was amazing. You get anything? So I didn't have a tag. It was my buddy, Sean, that drew a tag for Colorado. Oh. We went out, and the Colorado moose are obviously much smaller than an Alaskan or Yukon mm -hmm. moose. Um, and we went out in July over my birthday and scouted, and we found 23 moose oh. in two days. Wow. And we knew right where to go. I took off two weeks of work to go and help him. Uh, mm -hmm. At the beginning of October, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. Beginning of October, I said, dude, I'll take off two weeks. I'll come help you. So we get out there. The day before we go out, uh -huh. I came in late because my buddy actually from Eau Claire, he, he flew out to come hunt with us. Yeah. And when, when I was going to pick him up at the airport, I get a call from my buddy Sean. He goes, dude, there is a monster moose outside of my camper right now like a guaranteed shooter. Like I would shoot this thing first day. And he's like, I walked outside and it was standing 
outside of my camper. No way. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But but we knew right where to be because we had yeah. scouted it, and he had scouted it more times than that even. Yeah. So anyways, I go, let's hope he's still there tomorrow. And so I pick up my buddy from the airport. We, we drive up into the mountains, yep. get our camp set up. We're hanging out. The next morning we wake up and we drive 300 yards down the dirt road and look out and there's a moose. Wow. And he gets out. He shot one opening day. It made, it made uh, the one-year Boone and Crockett book. Yeah. Uh, not all time. It was just a little shy of all time. But when, when you say a different level, man, I mean hundreds and hundreds of pounds of meat. Oh. Like even boned out and quartered out, like I'm talking one hind quarter is 120 pounds. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. you're talking that's one quarter of that thing is the size of a mature doe. Yeah. And it was crazy, man. It was a lot of fun. But that definitely solidified my desire to go up to Alaska. Yeah. Because I want to fly in to the middle of nowhere and float out and hunt my whole way out. Yes. So. Yeah. Who knows, man? Maybe we'll see you up there one year. Maybe. That'd be pretty fun. Do a podcast in the middle of Alaska. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you hopping on. It is oh. hot out here today. Yes, we are roasting. Have you gone out and shot anything or tested out any bows or anything uh, like that? No, I don't. I don't got a bow. Is there to a shoot. few? Yeah, he's he said a couple weeks maybe he's getting his, but is there a few to grab to shoot or try? I don't out? know. I haven't. We haven't looked at every booth yet, but I don't know if anybody's got any bows like to test out here. No. Well, I and it's hard, right? I mean, this is my lack of knowledge of bows, but it's hard because you have to have the right draw length and the right poundage. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So you, it's not like you can just pick up anyone and try it out. Because I'm like, I have one you could try out, but I don't know if it's the right draw length or poundage. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got to definitely be fit for, for yeah, the, person. the hunter. But a lot of times, if, like, there's an actual bow company on site somewhere, they'll yeah. have different ones that they can quickly adjust Even in a bow Even, like, press. a recurve, like, range or yeah, something? I that's feel like true. that would be fun. Yeah, I what wonder. If, that? What I about shoot. Matt's son? He's got a recurve, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. You just got to go shoot that. Yeah, maybe. Get into it. I think yeah. I think you're gonna love it. It sounds like you're sold on hunting. Yeah. I mean, even when we first came over there, you're like, dude, I'll talk hunting. No, he was like, what's the shed you got? Tell me about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> he saw you. Yeah, why don't you tell now. me about this? Where'd you get this? Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as we had that first conversation, I was like, yeah, he's gonna be on the podcast. <laughs> Well, thanks for hopping on, man. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we'll keep hanging out and get some more content, go hike the trails and see what we can shoot up there. Yeah, yeah. if you end up getting something next year, let us yeah. know. Hit up Dan and we can share the story on the show. Alrighty. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. Man, I had a ton of fun putting that episode together. And if you want to come hang out and do a live podcast recording with me, you got to come join us at Bowfest next year. We're going to be there. I'm going to bring Scout. We'll have him back from training, so he's going to come chill at our booth the whole time. Sam's going to be all dialed in with her bow. She'll have a year of practice at that point, so she's actually going to come shoot the 3D courses with us, and it's just going to be an unbelievable time. I know a lot of these vendors that we got to hang out with, they're looking forward to coming and hanging out again, and so... I'm telling you, I think Bowfest is going to be on the list year after year moving forward. Now, early registration is going to open soon, so keep an eye out for that. And I may even have a discount code for you coming up if that is something you're interested in. 
Now I just have to decide who all I want to go and hunt with that I met at BowFest. So, until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.